0: Welcome to the Monday Morning Phone Call Podcast. Every preacher knows when they're teetering on the edge of a topic that will result in receiving a phone call on Monday morning. Instead of backing away, this podcast exists to work through these polarizing ideas and spark conversation.
1: In each episode, we'll be covering a different topic that we'll try to address with more nuance and depth than we might be able to in a weekend service. Hopefully it sparks more in-depth dialogue with your friends, family, coworkers, and neighbors.
0: Hi. We're the hosts of this show, I'm Paul Joslin.
1: And I'm Alyssa Frisbee. This season of the Monday Morning Phone Call Podcast, we're exploring the effects of having too much of a good thing. Here in the US, we live in a culture that encourages us to be independent, strive for personal success, achieve happiness, all through the path of least resistance. Is this the life we're called to seek, a life pursuing our American idols?
0: Today, we're having the uncomfortable conversation about living our life in pursuit of comfort. It seems that our culture is bought into the idea that an easy life is a fulfilling life. When we dig a little deeper, we have some questions and wonder how often we walk the empty path of least resistance rather than the path that leads to a more fulfilling life with Jesus. Let's dive in. All right, so Alyssa, today we are talking about the idol of comfort. I think a great entry question and place to start is, what is your favorite comfort food?
1: That's a good question. Do you mean like the classic comfort very
0: food? Very important qualifier. You know, like
1: mashed potatoes, Bright
0: fried chicken. Mm-hmm. Yeah, or just favorite food you go to for comfort. Yeah. Um. Let's do the latter one because I feel like that's a little more interesting. That's so, just fair. favorite food you go to for comfort.
1: <sighs> that's a good question. I. I've always said, this is darker. My <laughs> oh, like no, la- this is the
0: lighthearted I part know, of the conversation. <laughs>
1: um, if I got to pick my last meal, oh. it would be um, a big basket of assorted pastries.
0: Okay. And
1: I would say that like I love a good gotcha. croissant.
0: Yeah. A good- like, Corvus, coffee yeah. shop down the street, great croissants. So, so good.
1: good. They're the, bacon, yeah. cheddar sandwich, mm. croissant. They're so yep. good. <laughs> Yeah, very um, good. So maybe th- literally that sandwich from <laughs> okay, Corvus there you go. is my current comfort food that I get probably once a week because I it. need it. It's yeah. amazing. Um, yeah, what okay. about you?
0: Um, so I I have two kind of like trains of thought on this. One is, is I think just my go-to comfort food. Like if I'm just having a bad day or something, mm-hmm. I will probably always end up eating a bowl of ice cream.
1: Oh, That's okay. It's just
0: like I love ice cream, the sweet tooth, and... Bluebell specifically, okay. but, like, even the other day, <clears throat> Kim and I were in the store, and they have, like, Bluebell peppermint ice cream, which Ooh. is, like, a holiday special. It's so, so good, but that, is, when I think of, like, comfort food, that is, like, comfort. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the food I, like, enjoy most or, like, receive comfort from would be, like, chips and dip. I just love chips and dip. So, uh, chips and guac, chips and salsa, chips and mm-hmm. queso. All of that has a very Mexican food theme, but also just, like, chips and, and dip, like ranch dip. It, I mean, French onion. Just onions. a ranch? It's just like, oh, okay. Oh, it's, it's great. Like, so, chips and dip. Fair.
1: I didn't even think um, about that.
0: Yeah, Steffi keeps telling me I need to have a birthday party where I just have like chip, every kind of chip and dip mm-hmm. available, and I might do that sometime. That's so fair. There is yeah. a
1: whole if you've... um, Have you seen murders? Only murders in the building? I have not. On Hulu, there's a whole thing about how one of the characters just does chips and dip.
0: Okay. It's um, a like, staple.
1: That's yes. his diet. Um, to be fair, he... <laughs> Does say that he loses about half his hair because <laughs> he's like only ingesting like hummus and taziki, but yeah, um, you wouldn't do Not that. Not a great
0: diet, yeah. yeah. Steffi makes sure that right, you, right, right, right. Um, yeah. your diets are like more carrots host. too and
1: stuff. Whoa, but. raggy, yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, comfort food. Idol of comfort um, is kind of where we're going today. This Mm -hmm. is the last episode on the podcast about American idols, um, but we thought this was a timely one because as um, I feel like every person I'm talking to right now, Mm -hmm. it feels like no one is really thriving. Um, Everybody feels kind of overwhelmed or overworked, um, whether that is they're going through a really hard relational um, thing or just feel like their kid can't stop getting sick i mean there's just i just feel like everybody i talk to is overwhelmed overworked and not thriving uh, and what we do in that space is often try to seek comfort mm-hmm. to to kind of help with that chaos. So I know you did kind of a lot of research about the way comfort works in America. (laughs) And I'm super excited for some of these like random facts because I think they're amazing. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, what did you find out about how Americans specifically deal with comfort?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I will say if you don't take away a strange fact that you can like pull out at a dinner party, um, then I've done, I haven't done my job. Yeah, why are you
0: listening to the podcast.
1: Exactly, what's the point? To grow?
0: (laughs) Not transformation (laughs) at all.
1: Weird trivia (laughs) facts. <laughs> um, yeah, so I, what is interesting is that it does seem like comfort and the idea of what comfort is is different to everybody. Mm, you know, and yep. so I think for some people it's, you know, like a cozy blanket. For some people uh, it's yeah. a, you know, glass of whiskey, whatever that is. Sure. Um, what does make it a little bit tricky to pin down. Um, but what is interesting is that for a long time, the idea of comfort has been... Directly tied with America. So mm, in okay. 1831, a French sociologist uh, Alexis who has.
0: de Tokiavelli.
1: Ooh, I don't. Is that how you say it?
0: I don't know. I'd say it with <laughs> confidence. That way we keep coming back to you.
1: That doesn't feel French. Though. That feels like Italian.
0: Yeah, that did. But maybe, yeah, who knows? <laughs> yep.
1: Um, so he said in 1831, in the United States, minds are universally preoccupied with meeting the body's every need and attending to life's little comforts.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, which is fascinating that to be fair, like,
0: and that's you know, specific to the United States, yes, that we are universally preoccupied with comfort,
1: yes. And to be fair, maybe he was like just being French and like <laughs> you know, trying to say mean things about America, but I don't know. But I also think that there's something to be said for that, that we that it is, um. An innovative aspect of Anglo-American culture is mm. what another um researcher said. Mm. So, and the fact that comfort actually has been learned. Mm. And so it's not just something that we, from an evolutionary perspective, like need that okay. it's because it, for a lot of times it's just like, oh, like this needs met. Like mm. I need to sleep in a cave. Like, sure. Here's some like hide. That's great. Like you don't need to. <laughs> yeah. The hunter gatherer was not looking for like for comfort, m- more comfortable yeah. hides. Do you know what I mean? they was yeah, yeah, just yeah, like great. Yeah. This need is met.
0: I need shelter. I need food. Exactly. He's not looking for ice cream. Although if he knew about bluebell, he right. would be
1: that but. peppermint. Shoot, <laughs> yeah. change, um, changes life. Um, so really, what. Is happening is in specifically in America, which is fascinating, is that the idea of what is comfortable is actually narrowing. And so we're seeing it in a lot of different areas. Hmm. Um, but what now is seen as like a basic need to even a generation ago was actually uh, a luxury. Gotcha. Um so in for example, like air conditioning, it was invented in 1902 to actually control humidity. In like printing plants, right? So like had this very basic
0: like functional purpose. Yeah. Like, hey, let's not have
1: wrinkly paper. Like we all hate that. Yeah. Um, but now all of a sudden it's in almost every home, even in places like the Pacific Northwest that doesn't actually really like you don't
0: actually need AC. Need it, yeah. right? Like, the sorry, high Emily Claus, like it's <laughs> not
1: that hot, right? Yeah. But like it's even in those houses for uh, like the four times a year got that it's it. like a little bit. More. Yeah. Um, in terms of foods that so we're even seeing like more and more people now, I think especially because of the pandemic, are eating more like comfort foods. Mm. That we're ma- cooking more at home and we're going back to like childhood favorites, uh, Um, specifically pizza. A lot of people were very excited about pizza.
0: Okay. In the last like 18 months with the pandemic yes. and just every – all the hard things we've been going through, people are, are – Getting that pizza. Yeah, which, I mean, I
1: get it. (laughs) We've had, like, Friday family pizza night. There you go. For probably 12 months. Yeah. So I'm like, let's, how can I trick Lane into doing something? (laughs) Here, put these olives. And then he just, like, puts them on his fingers and eats them. But... (laughs) It does distract him for a little bit.
0: Well, one of the things that makes me think too is there's something uh, about comfort that that requires familiarity. Yes. And like, there's almost like a sense of nostalgia mm-hmm. with that, right? Like, okay, we grew up with pizza and so that was like the fun family night. So we like in seasons of discomfort are like coming back to those kinds of yeah. things. So, so there's a, a familiarity that it, as, as you're kind of talking about some of these things that that I think ties to comfort in an interesting way.
1: Absolutely, um, and then even in clothing, we've seen you know kind of at the start of the 20th century, clothing started to become less constrictive, hmm. and even like Levi's were invented in 1873 for like miners, like physically people who mine, <laughs> um, and cowboys, <laughs> okay. right? And then all of a sudden, people were like, "Hey, these are more comfortable, comfortable than." than- Whatever people were wearing yeah. in 1873 <laughs> right, exactly <laughs> um and now i mean 96% of americans own jeans which actually even feels low yeah, to me like, doesn't it who
0: doesn't own jeans
1: right That's, who doesn't yeah. own pa- jeans cuz that like, feel like a pants pair. exactly yeah. right and most people have seven pairs yeah. of jeans yeah yeah um and even now it's like even about being more comfortable. So now jeans have like spandex or polyester or something Uh, to make them not as constrictive. Maybe not even buttons.
0: Yeah, sure. (laughs) I have several pairs of those. Well, it Um, makes me think about like when the height of the pandemic, when mm -hmm. everybody was like staying at home and it was like a big deal the first time you were like, pants with buttons out yes, of your house. And people right? like That was a thing for like a week and a half on mm-hmm. on like social media. People are like, guys, hey, I it. actually got dressed up and <laughs> was not in sweatpants for a day.
1: <laughs> Speaking of sweatpants, nine out of ten consumers say they wear sweatpants outside of actually doing like sports.
0: Yeah. And
1: I feel like that's what the youths are doing. Sure. The so are you don't all about- it's
0: not about going to the gym or working oh. out or running. It's just I'm going to go to the store and yes. comfy. Joggers.
1: Right? Yeah. And turns out they're they're great.
0: They're comfortable. They're
1: are comfortable. <laughs> like you're like, sure. why would I want to do something different? <laughs> yeah. But that is like quintessentially American. Mm. Um, which I think is really fascinating. Yeah. So we've seen that in all of these areas of our lives that the idea of comfort is narrowing like mm. I was saying that, you know, we at first we were just meeting basic needs and now we've been more and more innovative mm. on trying to get
0: what is most comfortable. Provide comfort. And I'm guessing our, our basic needs are are shifting down that line too mm. to where the things that maybe might have been considered luxurious before are now like just kind of staples of, hey, that's what I need to to feel comfortable. Bare minimum, I've got to have a pair of joggers.
1: Right, exactly. um Where this becomes tricky and obviously where we will spend the majority of our time is that comfort is not just physical. Mm. So they're actually seeing that um. Being comfortable is even going to where we live. So, like, the the red-blue, you know, Republican-Democrat divide in our nation actually reflects more about the people that are moving to neighborhoods with people that are more similar to them in class, race, education, and worldview hmm. because people don't like being in uncomfortable situations. Gotcha.
0: And so if someone thinks differently than yeah. me, looks differently than me, maybe has a different value system than I do, we are just really trying to, like, Create as much homogeneity as possible within yeah. our community, so we don't have to deal with those people who might disagree with us mm-hmm. because that makes us uncomfortable. How exactly. do we have that conversation? What do we fascinating?
1: Yeah. So now, all of a sudden, like you were saying, comfort has been normalized. Yeah. And if something is different, that makes people uncomfortable, and so therefore that is bad. Hmm. So we so because more and more feels like it is uncomfortable, our actual tolerance for discomfort is waning
0: interesting which feels <clears throat> this is fascinating to me because it, it feels like um, if we're we're seeking comfort um, none of those things are are bad necessarily that no. none of the things we've listed or talked about um, I love air conditioning so right. grateful for air conditioning <laughs> especially
1: in Texas yeah, I can imagine. yeah growing
0: up in Texas I don't know how you do it
1: yeah
0: other places maybe you don't need it as much so so we're not saying that that being comfortable is a wrong or right. an idol, but this desire to seek comfort in all spaces and all things. Um, I, it, what it's striking up in me is, is this image of people just chasing um, this state of, of being where mm. everything is comfortable yeah. um, to try to eliminate any kind of discomfort in our lives um, and that that might not be lining up with God's will or design for how we were created.
1: Absolutely. And it it does seem very American that like Mm. other places are not
0: seeking the same level. Yeah. So I
1: remember reading about um, in advertising that American advertisers have to advertise differently in Europe. Oh,
0: interesting. Because
1: in America, they can almost make it seem like you deserve this beer. I feel
0: like every advertisement is always about getting vacation or time Mm -hmm. off or like enjoying the good life or like, it, it's all about luxury and mm-hmm. comfort really. Like even the Christmas commercials with all the new cars and stuff like, Hey, get this new luxurious mm-hmm. Lexus. Is that Yeah, exactly. <laughs>
1: like you deserve it. You've yeah. worked really hard. Uh-huh. And in Europe, they're like, we know like that's like, that doesn't, that doesn't work for them. Yeah. But they're like, yeah, we know we need to relax and rest. And <clears throat> so don't, <throat> don't tell me what I deserve. Gotcha. Um, which is fascinating that they, you know, it's more about, um, like local things and da, da, that's not the, we're not talking about yeah. Europe. Ew, <laughs> right. We're talking about yeah. America.
0: That is a very specific thing that, that trying to, to people feel like they deserve certain things mm-hmm. or, or have expectations for certain levels of comfort. Um And so I guess where, where then that maybe takes us is, is what is idolatrous about that? Like if we're mm-hmm. just seeking out, Um, comfort. And uh, how does that maybe, because if none of those things are inherently bad, and we've talked a lot in this podcast this season about idols, how none of the idols inherently are evil or wrong. Like all of them, power is a good, like we need structure, we need organization. Same thing with comfort. It's a good thing to have comfort. Um, But I think that the idol comes about when that's our as we've talked about it time and time again, the highest thing we're seeking. Mm -hmm. And what it does seem like is so many people, um, probably myself included, are looking for comfort at the expense of a lot of other things in life. And we're just trying to hang on to some sense of comfort, particularly because it does feel like the last 18 months, two years, however long you want to go, have been incredibly (laughs) challenging and Mm -hmm. difficult, right? Mm -hmm. And so, um, yeah, my life feels very chaotic And so I want comfort of just like sitting and binging and watching TV and shutting my brain off. And hopefully that will like comfort me a little bit if I laugh at Parks and Rec for Mm -hmm. two hours right, (laughs) or or longer.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That's fair. Yeah. No judgment here.
0: Yeah, so I guess um, as we're thinking about that and maybe this is a place we could get kind of practical with how people struggle with the the idol of comfort and mm-hmm. I, you know I just mentioned binge watching TV that's for sure one area that I see like have a long day, things mm-hmm. feel chaotic, mm-hmm. things feel out of control, and which I think that's an important thing to to maybe note too is that oftentimes with with this idol of comfort comfort in any scenario is an attempt to kind of regain control of what feels chaotic so even yeah. air conditioning mm-hmm. that's an effort to control our environment that feels chaotic to mm-hmm. us rightfully so sometimes and so yeah. um so it's what areas are we looking to for comfort to try to like satisfy that that need over chaos to to regain control
1: mm-hmm, absolutely um i think that it's pretty much anything that quote unquote makes us happy. Like mm. I feel like that is where people it's like, okay, this, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna buy these new things or mm. I'm going to like avoid having this conversation. Yeah. Um or I'm only going to go to a church. Where people feel the exact same way that yeah. I do, right? Or even Nick a few weeks ago was talking about how he saw on Nextdoor. Do you remember this? He like saw an advertisement for someone who wanted friends. Yeah. But they listed like exactly. Everything
0: that this person had to be in order to be their friend. And it was like these political views, this kind yeah. of like income level, this kind of like, I don't know if his car, but it was like Weird. very specific. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: That it's like I only want to be in community with these types yeah. of people because that is what – um is going to make me happy yeah. um and control the chaos. I think one other thing that is really interesting is that is a a paradox of this is that um even as Americans have gotten more comfortable our happiness has actually mm, fallen. So it's not it working. doesn't correlate. No, like it's like inversely correlated. Huh. Um and so obviously what we're doing as Americans as a whole isn't working.
0: Yeah, which I think that's really important Thought Because it could be easy to say, well, like, well, there's some ways we seek comfort that are inappropriate or not okay. And so, like, maybe you're trying to seek comfort and control over your chaotic life by drinking a lot. Everybody Mm would be like, ah, well, we know, that's not, like, the best thing for you. But saying something like binge-watching TV, scrolling through your phone, shopping, it's a little harder to maybe make some of those arguments um, about the morality of them. But to the point that you just made, this really has to do with human flourishing. And if God has created us to flourish— and we're seeking comfort, hoping that it'll provide some sort of control over the chaos and that it'll provide some sense of, of um, comfort over our world. Um, and if it's actually not delivering on that, then we're we're seeking something that is going to ultimately leave us unsatisfied, which is kind of the baseline definition of idolatry, mm-hmm. is looking for other things to satisfy, um, fulfill us, and to bring us happiness. Um so I think that's that's a, a key point about this. It's not just these random things that, yeah, you maybe shouldn't do bad things to g- be comfortable, but it's actually not giving you what you're hoping it will.
1: Mm-hmm. And one, I think, too, it's important to note that there is kind of a spectrum of discomfort.
0: Yeah, that's You important. know
1: that I, I, I want to make sure that people don't hear us saying like, well, you're uncomfortable because of this really – like because you are in relational chaos or, yeah. you know, a loved one has died or, yep. you know, maybe like – Covid and the vaccine has literally ripped your family apart. Yeah, like you, that totally. is really common. Yeah. Um. And so this isn't like stubbing your toe or, um. You know, not getting the promotion. Like all of those things are. I think there's a spectrum of discomfort, but I do feel like God and the Bible speaks into even all of those uncomfortable situations. And yeah. so hopefully, what we'll talk about is is actually applicable. To anyone um, in yeah, those seasons, yeah,
0: totally. Because you're right. There, you know, I think part of the the reality of discipleship is that God actually calls us into difficult or yeah. uncomfortable spaces, um, and um, that in some ways like that's the antidote to this idol of comfort is that if, if we're just seeking homogeny in all of our, our social spaces, if we're just seeking um, the idol of comfort, things that will just make us feel better, just bring us some semblance of happiness. And it's not delivering on those things. Jesus actually calls us to a different ideal in discipleship. um, But discipleship and following Jesus always leads to places of discomfort. Mm -hmm. Um, the trick with that, I think, is when people hear that, they're like, oh, man, so it's just one more thing I have to do. It's just one more thing that's going to challenge me. I feel like my life is out of control. And now you're saying I have to, like, go seek out more discomfort. Yeah. And and I think the heart of what we're trying to say is that in those difficult spaces is where Jesus does disciple and transform and grow us. Um, and if we eliminate all of those things from our life, then we actually may not have the growth that we're looking for.
1: Yeah. Well, I'm saying that is where the growth happening. That we're not saying you have to go look for additional discomfort. That is right. like, no, you already have it. And we all know yeah. that you have it. And so that-
0: Everybody's uncomfortable. <laughs>
1: exactly right. If you're yeah. wearing buttons on your pants, <laughs> you know, whatever it is, that like that is the discomfort that you need to lean into, not adding additional discomfort right. to your life. Yeah, totally. Sure.
0: And then there there may be other people who, who just have such a, a buttoned up life that they don't have very much discomfort or they've kind of, you know- so, um, eliminated any sort of discomfort, yeah. and so for for some people, maybe the call is like, "Hey, Jesus requires that we actually live in some of the uncomfortable mm-hmm. spaces of the world, and in places where there's disorientation, and um, and so if we've eliminated that entirely from our lives, then yeah, we we maybe there's a call um, to that in discipleship. Um, so,
1: can you talk a little bit more about what that looks like? So, what does it mean to be?
0: called into discipleship? Yeah. Yeah. That's a great question. Cause that's one of the like churchy <laughs> phrases we use exactly. a lot that was like, like, what does that mean? <laughs> <laughs> um, so like when I think of the call to discipleship, I, I think of the, the main goal intent of discipleship is becoming more like Christ. And that's probably mm-hmm. a baseline definition, but like everyone listening is like, yeah, duh. Okay. we we'll are try to become <laughs> like Jesus. Um, but the, the, practicality of how that plays out is where I think people begin to disagree or have different variations of what that looks like. I always kind of start with the baseline of Jesus' call to die to self and that like to pick up your cross and follow him is the first step of discipleship. But even that image of picking up your cross to follow Jesus is one that's not very comfortable, no, <laughs> like, right. right? It's not meant to, he doesn't say, pick up your warm, fuzzy blanket and follow yeah. <laughs> me. That's not the the image there. I mean, you think about a rugged cross, there's wooden splinters, it's heavy, it's, it's there's a challenge inherent to that call. Um, and again, to your point, I think that's the space where Jesus actually can transform, change, mold, mm-hmm. refine us more into his image is with that challenge. So I, I do think there's this call um, to die in discipleship, to die to ourselves, to submit our lives um, to Christ, wherever He would call us to. Um, and that really inherently can be set up at odds with this idol of comfort. Um, because if our ultimate goal is just to make sure my life is comfortable, that I feel safe, that I feel secure, mm-hmm. that I feel like I don't have to deal with any hard things, that actually is inherently kind of disconnected from Jesus' call to, to discipleship and to follow Him.
1: Mm-hmm. So I mean that sounds exhausting, though. No, yeah, <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> that surely that can't yeah. be all the things. <laughs> totally. Um, but really, though, I mean that. Like when you say that, that sounds exhausting to me. Yeah, sure. Um,
0: I don't want to carry a cross around all the time. I have you... enough trouble with my kid. <laughs> exactly. For <laughs> yeah. real.
1: But one thing that initially when we were talking about this subject, um, the idea of I think discipleship and and rest. Um, which obviously we'll talk about in a minute, I I think gives me a lot of anxiety, if yeah. we're being honest. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know if I've necessarily talked about that on the podcast before, but that is just – anxiety in general is something that I, like, struggle with. And so yeah. I think these pieces, the idea of, like, chaos, mm-hmm. um, I think a lot of times my anxiety tries to, like, squelch the chaos. Yeah, sure. And in reality, it just causes more chaos. Mm. Um which I think is the problem when with chaos in general that it is cyclical and kind yeah. of this um tornado, if mm-hmm. you will. Um but it I It just think, like creates yeah,
0: chaos and, and disorientation and confusion mm-hmm. and mess and yeah, all that
1: Exactly. So then you say like, Hey, do even more hard stuff. <laughs> yeah. like that sounds Die exactly. to yourself. You're like, ah, okay.
0: <laughs> I'm just trying to stay above water and not, yeah.
1: Exactly. You know, and I and I think for someone who The anxiety goes into those empty spaces that I try to, like, veg out and turn my brain off Mm -hmm. because that is the only, like, reprieve I get from it. Um, And so I don't know what, how to do that differently. Yeah, Um And so hopefully you can tell me more <laughs> how to make that better.
0: <laughs> yeah. Or we can figure it out together. But I, cool. I think, I think probably a lot of people resonate with that, that um if life already feels chaotic, yeah. whether, you know, you're just trying to get your kids out of the door and making sure they, they get to school or whether your work life is crazy or something's going on um, and your family of origin or with your roommate, like Life feels chaotic, mm-hmm. so then adding a, a call to like, "Hey, don't just like veg out when you feel overwhelmed in that space, but die to yourself and follow <laughs> Jesus." Is like, what? <laughs> it does. So, I, so I get that, and I think there's a a couple of maybe pieces to tie into that. One is that um, in all of those spaces, so uh, you know, I, I think about like all of the different places that God has led different people. So whether it's the people in Exodus getting led through the wilderness mm-hmm. out of slavery um, or you know different prophets that he called into different spaces like Elijah in the wilderness or, or even Jesus, he goes yeah. into the wilderness. In each of those spaces, there's an intentionality God has to say, in this hard season, in this place of difficulty, I'm going to form, shape, and be with you mm-hmm. um, to mold you. So I, as we kind of talk about this idea of discipleship, I think it's important to to say it's not just something you have to do on your own will, but something God says, you're going to be in this season and I'll be with you. And so I think there's an element of it that that, that should be part of where we find our comfort. Yeah. And I get that that feels a little abstract and we'll try to get a little more practical in a bit, but that in these seasons of chaos, we're not necessarily meant to find comfort in, you know, air conditioning or, uh, or binge watching TV or, or scrolling through our phones, but actually in the person and character of God. So I think that's kind of like a, a starting place. I get that that can kind of feel, still feel a little lofty. Like, okay, yeah. so God, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Trump guard, like that's, a, exactly. yeah, that's what not helpful. Right. Yeah. yeah. So I get that. But I, I do think the idea that even in this call to die of discipleship is a call that Jesus goes with us into those yeah. spaces. Um, To make it a little more practical, I think the other piece, um, I think a lot of us, and I would include myself in this camp, when we think of discipleship, we do have this idea of, okay, that means I'm reading my Bible. That means I'm, I'm, you know, praying a lot. That means I'm serving in my church. That means I'm showing up at the food kitchen. So I just have to add all of these places that I'm supposed to be engaged. That, I think, kind of, Um, For sure, that's a part of discipleship and and plays a role in how we follow Jesus. Um, But one thing that I think Christians, especially evangelical culture, are really bad um, at missing is that inherent in discipleship is a call to celebrate and a a call to like gratitude, but also a call to rest. Um, And so when trying to tie this to comfort, uh, and then I'd love some of your thoughts to see if this kind of addresses some of that anxiety, is if we are dealing with discipleship this called a diet of self. Um, what we see modeled in Jesus, the person we're trying to become more like, is that at multiple points in his ministry, they make note that he pulls away to rest, mm-hmm. um, that he pulls away to celebrate and feast with his friends. His first miracle in the gospel of John is turning water into wine, <laughs> and like this great celebration. Yeah. So there's this element of Jesus. Sometimes we miss that it just feels like a cruel taskmaster. And really, there's this huge invitation in discipleship to um, to lean into to the good parts of life and celebrate with gratitude um, what God has done. The other part that that I think Jesus calls us to in, in discipleship is is like in Matthew 11, where He says that Come to Me if you're weary and burdened and and worn down, and I will give you rest. Um, that's inherent in the call to discipleship. Take my yoke upon me because I'm gentle um, and I'm lowly. This idea that, that Jesus is gentle with us and his heart is compassionate towards us. Um, again, he says that you'll find rest for your souls uh, because his yoke is easy and his burden is light. That's also juxtaposed with this vision of picking up your cross mm-hmm. and taking it too. Um, and so we have to kind of hold both of those visions for discipleship in, in tension and in unison yeah. with one
1: another. So how do we, <laughs> again, <laughs> I th- th- it feels so like theoretical. Like, yeah, cool. sure. And then um, what do I do with that? Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, tell me more about that, Paul. <laughs> yeah,
0: so I think maybe to, maybe it'd be helpful if we, so we tie it back to this idea of comfort. We're looking for comfort in all the wrong places, so we're hoping that we find... Is that a song? Oh, is it? I, I don't know. know. You oh, would it's know. Looking for Love. Yeah, I know that one.
1: in all the wrong places.
0: Oh, man, I'm so glad you sang it and I didn't have to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but we're, oh, that's funny. Um But yeah, so it's looking for comfort in places that actually can't deliver. So a lot of the things we listed before about where we find comfort and then realizing that it's actually not making us happier. Mm -hmm. It's not providing us with the comfort we're looking for. Um, And so I think the question inherent behind that is if life feels chaotic and when we were trying to get control over that chaos is through comfort. But it's not actually delivering. Then what is the solution? Yeah. Like, how do we actually um, get control over some of the chaos or live in the midst of chaos? And I think um, that call to discipleship, that idea that Jesus gives us rest, is actually the antidote. So my mm-hmm. thought it would be that if you're you're dealing with a season of chaos, you might feel comfortable vegging and watching TV all night. Um, but do you feel rested yeah. at the end of that? It might give you respite or reprieve for a little bit, but then you still have the same problems and same issues afterwards. And, you know, they talk about that in um, like Alcoholics Anonymous, where, yeah, you can drink and it can cause you to forget your problems for a little bit, but you wake up and you still have the same problems, if not more. And so I think in this idea that Jesus, um, as the the discipler, calls us to, to spaces of rest is actually what we're looking for more than than comfort. Does that yeah. resonate at all? Like the idea that that rest is actually the answer to to discomfort or <laughs> wanting comfort, or
1: it does. Yeah, because I think about um, if you tell me like what would bring you comfort, I feel like like looking at my phone, right? Like that sure, feels like oh yeah. gosh, like just. Look at people's turning
0: off. Exactly. Let me look
1: at this beach. Someone went to the beach. That (laughs) seems nice, you know, or like mountains, Uh or like they have a cute baby, you know, whatever it is. Um, But if you tell me like, how do you find rest? Like that would not be what I would do, right? Like I wouldn't like pick up my phone and do that same thing. Um, What it makes me think of is at least in my research, and the Bible Project does a whole... I think they did a whole season of their Mm. podcast on Sabbath specifically. Mm -hmm. Um, So if you want to get really into the nitty-gritty of the Sabbath, you can listen to very smart people talk about it for hours and hours and hours. Um, Or you can listen to us. That's fine. (laughs) But they were talking about how... Rest, they were juxtaposing rest and chaos, and mm-hmm. even in the creation story, mm-hmm. that God was creating into the chaos, right? Yep. That it was just nothingness, and God was creating, and every day there was like evening and morning, mm-hmm. you know, until the last day when God rested, yeah, and there wasn't an evening and morning, and that that actually was inviting in a new season mm-hmm. of, um of rest, like ultimate rest for everyone. Yeah. then it was like, this is this wonderful new time where we get to like the humans and the animal, like everyone gets to be together and be with God and everything is, is perfect. Yeah. Um. And there wasn't work, right? That like, mm-hmm. obviously I think, you know, they were, I don't, I don't know. Were well, they, they feeding animals? I, yeah. <laughs> and I was like, well, we're, did they have to do that? I don't know.
0: Yeah. There was work. They were, they were working with the earth and had dominion over the earth, yes. but it didn't feel, it wasn't. Laborous in the same way where it just like wears you down and makes you (laughs) sometimes hate life or whatever (laughs) you might be feeling about work.
1: (laughs) You just like did your backyard. You get it. That was was rough. Uh Um, And so that it was this new like sense of like eternity there. Yeah. Um, And so since we started studying, that's what I've really been trying to think about with rest. It's like that rest is this peak or like look at eternity and, and heaven. And, you know, I think I think about like, if heaven is literally just like singing hallelujah chorus all the time, like, I don't know if I want to go. (laughs) It doesn't seem (laughs) super fun. Um, But if it's doing fun things like in God's presence and with him, that sounds, that sounds great. Totally.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a really helpful backdrop um, because you're right. God is is someone who creates out of chaos, um, brings order out of chaos. And the result of that is that he rests and that, is the first time that he tells us to rest uh, is after he's created. Um, And and that uh, time and time again, when Sabbath or rest comes up in scripture, it points back to that moment that God rested, which is crazy to think about. I know everyone says this when you talk about rest or Sabbath, but God who never gets tired, never gets overworked, never gets worn out, still chose to rest. How much more so do we need that? Um, And I think... And when we think about how chaotic life is and how overwhelming it can be at times in different hard seasons, um, really in those spaces, it's easy to just turn off and mm-hmm. unplug. But it doesn't actually restore our souls or or build us back up to to be able to continue. And yeah. so, this kind of call to to Sabbath and to resting um, that Jesus calls his disciples to uh, continually takes us to a place of renewal and and refreshment that we're looking for in all these places of comfort, but doesn't actually satisfy. Like I even think of the example I gave at the beginning, I can eat a bowl of ice cream to get comfort. I can also make myself sick on that and not feel better. But Mm -hmm. it's like, you know, that ingrained response to how I deal with the chaos in my life. And so this call for, for Jesus to discipleship, to rest and to Sabbath into celebration i love the story where jesus is is leading his disciples through a field um, just love that image of jesus is like walking through a grain field <laughs> with his friends and then the religious leaders come up because they're eating grain and it turns out that they're eating grain on the sabbath and you're not supposed to mm-hmm. pick grain on the sabbath and the pharisees the religious leaders they're so upset um because i mean they had rules that like you couldn't walk certain distances yeah. on that day that you couldn't like clean pots uh, Certain way. Like you, Mm. there's so many rules and regulations about it. And Jesus' response, and I I love this because I think so many times when we talk about rest, even that can feel like one more thing to my life's too chaotic. How do I stop? Jesus' response is that the Sabbath um, was not um, made for man, but man, or I'm sorry. The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. And what Jesus is is pushing against um, is this idea of a legalistic, guilt-heavy religious culture that says you have to do these certain things in order to to follow God. Mm. And he's trying to bring rest and, and um, relief to that situation through his teaching on the Sabbath. And I think what's important for us is, is they were, had a lot of legalism about yeah. Sabbath. They had a... a very like rigorous schedule that that was built into Sabbath and to resting. We don't really have that. We've actually just kind of forgotten yeah. about the Sabbath. <laughs> like it's just we don't don't rest and and we don't take time away. I love there's this quote from AJ Swoboda, Ooh. which is a really fun name to say. I'm fun. sorry to AJ if I'm Saying his name wrong. <laughs> but again, just say it with confidence and it exactly. works. I love
1: that <laughs> but about you.
0: This is what he says about this idea of, of Sabbath and rest um, that Jesus calls us to. He says, The Sabbath has been largely forgotten by the church, which has uncritically mimicked the rhythms of the industrial and success obsessed West. The result? Our road weary, exhausted churches have largely failed to integrate the Sabbath rest into our, our lives as a vital element of discipleship. It is not as though we do not love God. We love God deeply. We just don't know how to sit with God anymore. We have perhaps become the most emotionally exhausted, psychologically overworked, and spiritually malnourished people in history. Which when I read that, yeah, kind of cuts. Um, Because I do think, you know, going back to what we talked about at the beginning, (laughs) Most people don't feel like they're thriving. No. Most people do feel over overworked, exhausted, just worn out. And if we continue to look in places to to find or, or expect comfort to fill up mm-hmm. those spaces, I think we'll continue to be malnourished and and not have the rest that that we need. Um, and so the the true need, I think behind our 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 desire for the idol of comfort is to pull away and rest.
1: Mm. No, absolutely. And I um one thing I thought was really interesting in terms of like the legalism of Sabbath is um in the Bible project they compared it to a parent having rules in their house for like curfew. Mm. That the point of the rules is not to be legalistic. Like right. I don't think I mean, most people wouldn't say like, oh, wow, you have to be home by 11. That's like so legalistic, <laughs> right, yeah. right? That it's it's to protect yeah. the kids and make mm-hmm. sure they're like safe and at home doing what they need to be doing. Yeah. Um, and obviously when, you know, you just talked about when the Pharisees were mad at yeah. Jesus in the cornfield, that they had turned it into this legalistic mm-hmm. place, um, but in reality... I mean, it's one of the Ten Commandments, and yeah. and it, it's, and it's I think we just so quickly skip totally. over that. They're yeah. like, yeah, don't murder, and also do the Sabbath, but like, what is that? I don't know, and yeah. then we just like move on. Yep.
0: And um, we hold the other nine very lofty. Like, they're still yeah. very important. Like, don't take the Lord's name in vain. Don't murder people rest well maybe do we need to <laughs> and it becomes this kind of waffle and there there is you know freedom in christian discipleship but i think the sabbath has just gotten such a bad rap because yeah. of of the way that it was used for so long that for some reason we've kind of carried that into it then you add on our our success obsessed like culture and how we just have to work all the time and, and earn everything. Um but I thought one thing that could maybe be helpful would just be talking about like practically please what, yeah, this what feels very this helpful. rest looks mm-hmm. like because uh so we a, aren't like putting more legalism on anyone yeah. to say like, hey, just you need to, you just need to take a day off. Yeah, <laughs> then, right. Like, I can't. Um you just need to like, yeah, rest. Um but and really behind the the heart of Sabbath and rest, I think, is is this idea of of not stopping. So it's not ceasing everything you're doing, but just mm-hmm. slowing down yeah. um, with the intent of connecting with God. So I love John Mark Comer. He's done a lot of work on the Sabbath and discipleship um, and rest. But he he says there's two questions that when you think about trying to come up with what a Sabbath could look like, and again. You know, it doesn't have to be legalistic. It doesn't have to be a twenty-four hour period. Maybe yeah. you just have five hours, or maybe it's different things you do each day to intentionally find rest. But he says two questions that should kind of form that time is: What could you do? He says for a twenty-four hours that would fill your soul with deep and palpable joy. How can you spend your day um, in a way that would fill you with wonder? awe, gratitude, and praise. Mm-hmm. And I like that because that does not feel like one more thing I have to do. It's no. like, how could I have the best day of my life this yeah, week? Which feels yeah. a lot more like it's an invitation into freedom um, to enjoy life and yeah. to enjoy the good things that God has given us uh, with the intentionality of connecting with God in those spaces. And so that feels very life-giving, not burdensome, at least to, to when I hear it. Um, and so that can look like a lot of different things. Dan Allender, he wrote a book called Sabbath. Uh, I would encourage people to check it out, but he just has this list of, of things that, that you fill your day with. So he says, feast, like eat good food, enjoy awesome mm-hmm. food, um, play, dance, sing songs, pray, laugh, tell stories, enjoy art, enjoy reading, take long walks, enjoy being outside. It's all of the really good things in life that when... Mm-hmm. You go and enjoy, um, and spend time with, there. I, you know, I even think there's a difference between like binge watching a TV show for like four hours versus intentionally watching like a movie that, you know, yeah. is beautiful art. And, mm-hmm. and so it's not saying you can't do the things you love. It's not Sabbath or rest is not saying that you can't enjoy life. It's actually an invitation to enjoy those things with the intent and purpose of, of intentionality and slowing down and connecting with God in those spaces.
1: So how do you do it? like how do you make it more intentional without it just being like, I'm doing fun thing, which is great. Yeah. But how do you um add make sure God is included in that?
0: Yeah, sure. So um I think one kind of two questions that can be helpful is, is in deciding what to do in those spaces mm-hmm. to rest is is what is actually restful? So so I think there's some intentionality there, right? Like I could just scroll on my phone and look at Twitter. But I need to ask myself: Is that actually restful and what I need in this moment? Um, and and if it's not, or if it's a yeah, maybe kind of like, then maybe don't do that for rest. Not saying you can't do that at some yeah. point, but that's not the the rest you're looking for. Um, the second question is: What um, can you do that that brings you to worship? Um, and and that's not just like what causes you to sing songs? I'm not saying you have to like <laughs> eat a bowl of ice cream. You're like, I'm going to sing a praise song now. Waking like, up Camden. Yeah, that's not <laughs> She'd it. <love> it. <laughs> right. But what brings you to a heart and posture of worship and gratitude of recognizing uh, God's goodness in the world? Um, that's where true, true rest comes. And so, so I think it really like getting real practical and down in the weeds. Like, let's say you want to take an afternoon to rest and you're going to go hang out with friends um, at happy hour. It could be as simple as before you go into that space, just thanking God for the opportunity, for mm-hmm. friendship, um, for wine, for a sunny afternoon, and and intentionally saying, "Like I am going to choose to rest in this space um, and and bring God into it." And it can really be that simple. It doesn't have to be much more difficult than that. Um, it can feel difficult in the moment sometimes to yeah. to incorporate or bring God in, but really just trying to to use the things that we enjoy. And the expression of gratitude and rest, um, I think, is is almost as simple as it can get. And in that intentionality, I think we can find some relief from the chaos. Mm-hmm. But on a deeper level than just the comfort might might actually offer us.
1: Yeah, I mean it. It almost sounds like it's a way to actually like be filled up as opposed to just pausing that chaos, right? That it's yeah. you're kind of reorienting it, um, and that really is about approaching those things with a different posture mm-hmm. or motivation yeah. um so that it can like fill you up and you're not doing things that you feel like you like quote unquote have to do yeah um,
0: and it really is like um i love the this idea that it's um <laughs> whatever brings you rest and whatever causes you to worship, because those are so broad and yeah. they may be very different for mm-hmm. you than they are for me. Um, and so again, there's not like really strict, rigorous rules around that. Uh, maybe you're an introvert. And so what is rest and worshipful for you is taking a nap. And mm-hmm. that's actually, but doing that intentionally and inviting God into that space, I think, it continually the practice continually grounds us that that our chaos is not up to us to control it's not up to us to be in charge of our life and and that we don't have to have all the answers all the time it reminds us that you no know, actually god is the one at work so i can rest and take a step back and i think it's a it's a posture shift and an orientation shift that when we don't sabbath or when we don't rest we really do we just continually think it all falls on us to try to create <laughs> our lives the way we want them to be
1: Well, I think that that is a funny, I don't know if it's human nature or just in America, but it does feel like we have this funny currency of time that like, whether someone is like using your time or like you don't get to use it in the way that you want that I know I like feel very possessive about that. Yeah, oh,
0: absolutely. Um,
1: And so somehow I think that's maybe what feels stressful initially about taking a Sabbath that it's like, wait a minute, like that's my time. Those are my minutes that you're like trying to take and use and whatever. Yeah. and i do feel like it's important to remember that like our t- like t- literally our minutes are not yeah, our own totally. but like god loves us so much and yep. like wants to like spend those with us and wants us to be intentional about the way that we do that so we can um live our life to the fullest. Like he wants the, he wants the best for us.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And it, yeah, so it's a reminder, one, that um, our time isn't ours, like you said, and then that God does want the best for us. So we enjoy the good things that he's given mm-hmm. us. And so it's that reminder in the midst of chaos and things feeling out of control or overwhelming that like, no, there are still some good things and yeah. that God is a good God that even um, on our worst days, we can still find some spaces and not just in a like... I, I, oh, yeah, we'll just try to figure out where the sun's shining. but but yeah. genuinely gratitude that God is with us in the midst of those spaces. And so I think when I think of comfort and looking for for something and comfort to try to make my life feel a little more organized, a little less chaotic, a little like happier. Um, and those things don't quite f- fulfill and satisfy. I can actually do a lot of those same things but just bringing God into it. And they have a totally different meaning and different ethos and different orientation at that point. And so um, many of us are, are doing those things. We just haven't brought God back into the equation. And so they're less satisfying than they could be if we invited him to enjoy those with us.
1: It's a good word. <laughs> um, so what are you going to do this week for, um, for rest and Sabbath.
0: Oh, okay. Well, don't put it back on me. I just get to tell everyone else what to do. That's what a pastor <laughs> exactly. is, Alyssa. Wait, wait a yeah. Minute. Those Let who can't just, do teach. Isn't yeah, that how, okay? exactly. Yeah. So I can't rest. I've got to do <laughs> ministry. Um, no. So um, one of the places that I often find that uh, is in walks with my family. And so we just, <laughs> my daughter loves to go to the park. Um, and I try to leave my phone um, off or at home and we just go walk. We will look the stars see the moon she loves finding the moon in the day um and then she (laughs) asked it's weird i know it is she's very confused um actually i'm probably confused she's got it figured out (laughs) (laughs) oh dad but that's that's one place that is kind of a a rhythm for our family is not daily but um several times a week just trying to pull away go for walks play at the park and it's just a time where we uh, are together not worried about whatever's going on and try to invite god in into our spaces so that's that's one area that, that i feel like I've tried to, to do it. Um, again, it's a lot of the normal things we do throughout yeah. our week, but just having the intentional space to, to invite God into that space. And it really doesn't have to be more than just a prayer of mm. God, like give me peace while I'm on this, this space, help me enjoy my family, help me forget about what else is going on and just enjoy like the beauty of being outside with them. And it can be that simple. Um,
1: that feels very doable.
0: Yeah, it doesn't, <laughs> and, and uh, yeah, and again, I think that goes back to Jesus' heart of of not trying to burden us with more things, or like that his yoke is easy and his burden is light. Um, sometimes we actually make discipleship harder than it has to be, unfortunately. But what about for you?
1: Um, well, I feel like maybe I need some bluebell. Peppermint ice cream. Yeah, you do. That sounds great.
0: (laughs) King Supers down at King Carroll has it. That's where I find this thing. All
1: right. That. Um, But yeah, I mean, it's been so beautiful recently that I do. I feel like I need to like get outside. Yeah. um, And not. Um, feel like that is controlled by my children, but then it's like, <laughs> I picked this. Yeah, I'm going outside sure. in the sunshine and I get to walk where I want and not just look at Halloween decorations mm-hmm. yeah. lane. <laughs> this <laughs> totally. is about you. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I think I'll try to do that this yeah, weekend and be that. more intentional about it.
0: Yeah, we would love to, to hear from any of you listening about ways that you could maybe incorporate this idea of rest um, to, to push back against the idol of, of comfort. And um, yeah, what feel free to share maybe even online what ways that you incorporate um, rest into your week to try to push back against this. And, and um, yeah, hopefully you enjoyed the conversation and we would love to hear from you if you got any thoughts. Thanks for listening to the Monday Morning Phone Call podcast. We hope that this show will spark conversation and that you'll share this episode with a friend. Join us on Instagram at WaterstoneCC and Facebook at Waterstone Church to continue the conversation and share your thoughts and opinions with us. This podcast is hosted by me, Paul Joslin, and Alyssa Frisbee.
1: Today's show was edited and mixed by Luke McCready, produced by Emily Kloss, and the graphic was designed by Lane Gerking. We'll be back for season five after the new year.